everyone, and welcome to Discussing Who. As of this recording, it is Tuesday, February the 13th, 2018, as we prepare to review Doctor Who Series 1, Episode 6, Dalek. For you, wherever you may be in all of space and time, thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to the show via Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast player. Also, we invite you to check out Discussing Comics, where we discuss a variety of characters wherever they can be found, on the big screen, the small screen, online, or in print. Find out more and subscribe by visiting DiscussingComics.com. Now, for introductions, and a welcome back to the one and the only, Mr. Lee Shackelford. Hi, guys. Welcome Here back. Here I am back from my, thank you, back from my recent engagement at Death's Door. I, I had the, the flu thing, so. Oh, man. Yeah, but, uh, and while on the road, too, just to, just to add a little twist there, but, but anyway, but I've been enjoying listening to the show while I've been, uh, yeah, been out, so yeah. So, so, so I want to hold that thought and introduce yes. our other, because I want to revisit that thought just really briefly. Yeah. So, so uh, Mr. <laughs> Brown, Mr. Clarence Brown, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, man, and can't wait to uh, review uh, Megatron. No, Metaltron. Uh, Metaltron. Uh, yeah, episode. And uh, yeah, I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain. Uh, it is a good episode of Doctor Who this week. Uh, no complaints whatsoever. But revisiting the thought from our last two episodes, that two-parter with the Slitheine, Mr. Shackelford, you made some comments to us in our chat that basically said you enjoyed listening and laughed at some of the things that we said. So have at it, <laughs> I good did. sir. Well, for one thing, I learned that you guys can't say Rexacorcophallopatorius. Uh, <laughs> Not even going to try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. They're, you know, they're, 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 uh, their sibling race, their sibling race is from the planet Clum. I, I did, as silly as, as, as the Slavine and, uh, uh, the Absorbaloff are, I did like this one joke that one of these races is from Rexacorcophallopatorius, the other is from Clum. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just, it's just funny. Yeah. Kind of. Not a no. stupid episode. So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the level of humor that we're at here. But yeah, but no, I did enjoy uh, uh, both of you talking sort of about the, um, uh, the Mickey Smith arc that, um, you, you know, that part of what happens over this series is we start with him as Mickey the idiot. And we are, and if nothing else, what uh, aliens of London and world war three do is that we start, we start to see the potential of Mickey. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you guys were hip to that. So do you agree with that? Do you see also the um, that that Mickey is progressing? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember um, thinking that that was that was a uh, fun writing and great performance on his part, you know, back in 2006. So just uh, I was I was enjoying the way that character was being being written. I mean, uh, companions in classic who that that I grew up with, they're sort of fixed states, aren't they? I mean, they they show up and then they they travel with a doctor and he's there for them to talk. They're there for him to talk to. And then they leave and they're pretty much the same person they were when they showed up. Agreed. Agreed. um, And it's one of the things that Russell T. Davies wants to do clearly and that that I was excited about from the beginning is that he really wanted to take this seriously. What happens if you 
if you if you travel with a doctor how do, doesn't that change you doesn't that change everything and and we know that in the past we've always just been very blase about these fact that the fact that these people were disappearing from their daily lives they're just gone yeah. and one of the things that happens in aliens of london is that for the first time ever we take that seriously what happens when one of these people just disappears don't doesn't their family you know go bananas what you know um so you know uh, say what you will about the, that two-parter, but it did at least have that aspect of it, taking Rose seriously, taking Mickey seriously, um, in a way that really hadn't been done with companions before. But and, there you go. Yeah, and it's interesting because we both, Clarence and I both, in that first parter, you know, we took that episode a little more serious than we took the last episode because mm-hmm. it, it it did have <laughs> all of that 50%, you know, that half that was – Good. Wouldn't you agree, Clarence? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, just the interactions between, I said this before, but the interaction between, you know, Rose and her group of people really made those really good moments within maybe a not-so-great episode. Yeah. So, Lee, let me ask you a question from mm-hmm. a writer's perspective. Considering that these two episodes were pretty much crap. And other than the things we just said, why do you think that Russell T Davies from a writing perspective created these horrible characters, uh, that were not really appealing and or likable because we know he's better than that. He, we've seen him be better than that. So mm-hmm. any thoughts to why the Slovene were just so bad? Yeah, because uh, writing a TV show is something that you, it's, it's kind of like throwing darts. I mean, you, every idea isn't going to be brilliant. You, you just have to put out everything that you can and sort of see what works. I mean, they have all of these scripts written before the camera starts rolling on Rose. So on paper, this all may look really good, but it, 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 we didn't like it. But that's because we're adults. And I think one of the things that they were trying to do is make sure that the the little kids who have been the, the backbone of Doctor Who fandom for, since 1963, we want to make sure that they're on board, too. I mean, that, that's how I read that. And, and the, the, the aliens from Rex Gork of Alipatorius, they turn up again on Sarah Jane Adventures with their fart jokes and everything, <laughs> which, and that's the exact, that, that's the right audience for them. Yeah. And I, you know, I never thought about it, but if I were a 10 year old kid, I might think fart jokes are funny. Oh, they you they know. would have been the best. Yeah. But, and if you throw vinegar on them, they blow up and they, they go <laughs> splat all over the kitchen. I would have thought that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's not Doctor Who, in my opinion. And yeah, so it's not Doctor Who for us. No, 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 no. no. But it you, was the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, but you know what? Let's not beat a dead Sladine with a stick. So let's just yeah. let's throw put, pickle juice on it. Yeah, let's just find some vinegar and put this thing to rest. <laughs> but um, so no, I wanted to touch base. So does any guy? Does any of you guys or either of you guys have any news that you want to talk about before we get into the good stuff? Well, today, a bunch of uh, set photos uh, for uh, the shoot of the 13th Doctor's first adventures uh, got uh, leaked, released. You know, who knows? Uh-huh. They're just they're all over social media today. Uh-huh. So um, have, have you guys seen them? Or? I've seen like the like a social media post that basically said, here are the pictures, but I didn't click on them. 
Yeah. The the ones that are most interesting to me are the ones where we with the Jody Whittaker still wearing uh the <laughs> the scaled down version of Peter Cabaldi's costume. Um and she it's hard to tell if it's a scene from the show or if they're between takes or what, but she's just alone. And the shooting was in South Africa. I read, which that was a surprise. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I had read that, that yeah. they were going to but, South Africa, but it is, it is recognizably Peter Capaldi's uh, jacket. It's just in tatters. So she's sort of the, she's sort of the raggedy man right now. Ah, the um, raggedy doctor. <laughs> she's searching for a rainbow. That's exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, there is something that shows her sort of digging through a bin, and I thought, oh, I would love it if that costume is, you know, something that she's, you know, dug out at random out of it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it? Would, it? it would actually help. To- <laughs> yeah, but you, but you know, that's that's so the doctor in the sense of a lot of his costumes have not come from his wardrobe. Uh, look at the first um, costume or the outfit or whatever of Matt Smith's eleventh, as well as. Um, the first costume or outfit of the uh, third doctor, John Pertwee, both yep. came the from third a hospital. Doctors, yep, they both steal their clothes. They steal somebody else's clothes, uh, and so does uh, the eighth doctor. He steals somebody's ah, Halloween yes. costume. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Good point. Good point. All right, Clarence, do you have any news you would like to talk about? I uh, no, I do not, sir. All right, good deal. Well, let's get into a good episode. So for anyone who is listening or has been listening to us, you know what's coming next. But for anyone who is new to the show, from henceforth, if you have not seen this episode, what you need to do is put us on pause. Go watch the episode because from this point forward, spoilers. 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 And I know Spoilers. I say it every episode, but that is my one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> so what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about Dalek, which is, again, the sixth episode of the 2005 series. It is starring or it starred the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston, along with Rose Tyler, Billy Piper, and it also introduced Bruno Langley as Adam Mitchell. And it was, di- uh, excuse me, directed by Ad- uh, Joe Ahern. Ahern. Yeah. Okay, good Ahern. deal. Yeah. And written by Robert Sherman with script editor Helen Rayner and produced by Phil Collinson. Executive producers, Russell T. Davies, Julie Gardner, and Mel, or Mal, excuse me, Young. Initial thoughts, gentlemen. Clarence, I'll take you first. What did you think uh, of the show just hmm. from a you know broad sense? Uh, um, I think you guys are a little more up on it than I am. Uh, <laughs> well, I did enjoy it. Uh, I don't think it was bad by any means. I just thought it was good, not great, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't know why I just don't like any episode with soldiers in it. It just, just doesn't sit with me well. I don't know yeah. why. Uh, but, but I do, I do think it was a very good episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. I just think, didn't think it was great, but it does have some great moments. So, uh, there you go. All right. Lee, what, what about you? Well, as I, w- I was warning you before we got, uh, got on the air, started recording that I've, I've actually got so many nuanced thoughts about this that I wrote them down. So at some point, I'll just, I'll just read you my essay about. <laughs> 
<laughs> but my feelings about this are strong. But uh, I'll say this. The Daily Mirror, I'm going to paraphrase because they use some language that I think we don't use on this show. The Daily Mirror newspaper did. But um, after this episode aired in the UK, they um, their TV editor said, um, for the duration of this show, BBC One's new Doctor Who was the best thing on telly. Wow. 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 Yeah. And, huh. uh, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel too. Huh. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So here's my thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm going back and I'm remembering watching it back, you know, in 2005, you know, whenever it aired or shortly thereafter. And I'm s- imagining myself watching Doctor Who. And for me, there, there were two moments. And one of which I've said on the show already, but I'll say it again. But there were two moments that pretty much helped to solidify this 2005 series as being as part of canon, as part of the story of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. This was 50 percent of that. The Dalek and the Doctor together because they, they it, it's sort of like Batman and the Joker Superman and a real Lex Luthor, not the one in um, <laughs> Justice League or Batman versus Superman. But I haven't said that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Wonder Woman and whoever her, you know, whatever. But you, but you get, but you get my point. Every, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, everybody These. has, you know, their arch. This to me is the Doctor's arch nemesis. Second right. to that would come along the Cybermen, which we saw both of the them in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, we, we saw a classic series Cyberman, didn't we? Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, being six issue, or six episodes into the story and we're seeing that, you know, that in this season solidified 50% for me. And of course, school reunion next, uh, in the 2006 series completely solidified this as Doctor Who for me. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about this episode, but I, I seem to enjoy Rose's performance um just a little bit more in this episode. Of course of course we had moments with the doctor where I thought he was really excellent or fantastic as well. Fantastic. But, fantastic. <laughs> but I thought Rose was really good because she kind of bridged the gap between uh Doctor and Dalek. It's and a I, great episode for Billy Piper. Oh yeah, you're you're not imagining it. I can just imagine her getting this script and just punching the air, saying, This is yeah, <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, so Clarence, what, what were some of the things that she did that were so profound to you? I mean, well, just, just like I just said, I mean, she was the glue, or maybe that's not the gel between, uh, uh the doctor and, and the Dalek. She, uh, well, I don't want to give away the last bits just yet, but, you know, in that moment, she was the one to, you know, talk, talk the doctor down to, you know, kind of ask him when we see this repeated all through Doctor Who, what type of man are you in so many words? Mm-hmm. And and it was another one of those moments. And I love those moments. And she really, you know, she was what was what kind of brought them. I'm not going to say together, but made them understand. <laughs> uh and yes, yeah, she also had a really good moment uh, early on with what's the guy's name? Adam, English guy. Adam. 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 Yeah, because I can't, don't remember them saying his name. Uh, but 
But she had another good moment with him, which I thought was pretty funny when he's talking about aliens and spaceships. And she's just being, you know, kind of cheeky about it. Yeah. 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 What if? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I really love that moment. I like how she had like a tepid excitement <laughs> mm-hmm. in that moment. So, yeah, I, I thought she was great in this episode. Well, you know, it goes back into something that we've commented before about doing these reviews it's so easy to forget how great a companion Rose Tyler was, you know, we, I mean, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but, mm-hmm. but the examples that you've just given is another reason why Dr. Who is still on the air because she did such a fantastic job in the role of Rose. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. Lee, what about you? Is, is, is Rose included in your essay? Um, yes, um, but mostly from sort of a story point of view, but, but I, yeah, I couldn't agree with Clarence more. She's, she's just, it's a, it's a terrific script and a terrific actor and, um, uh, they, they just come together beautifully. I mean, she, she, she's, it's basically beauty and the beast, isn't it? You know, and she, she, she gets to be Belle and, yeah. and, and that's, that's where the conflict is. Um, oh wait, you're yeah. talking about the Dalek, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the doctor. I was well, like, well, well, he was well, angry back then. Well, yes, yeah, but see, that's the that's the genius of it, and and I, like I say, I want to talk about it more later. But yeah, who's the scary one? Yes. As we're getting into the final act of this this story, you know, who's the one who who's the one who? Well, she, you know, yeah, again, we don't want to jump ahead to the end, but yeah, she says he's not the one pointing a gun at me. Yeah, oh, very good, you know. So, guys, um, let me ask you about uh, since you know we're talking on, at the beginning. What did you guys think of Henry von Stratton? <laughs> he owns the internet. He owns the internet, and he and he has a uh, helicopter code name Black Wolf of Bad Wolf. Yes. Oh, see, I was going to ask you guys where was the Bad Wolf Wolf referen- reference? I didn't yeah. actually get that during the episode. Yeah, so neither did I. So it's but fast. Wikipedia told yeah, me. There's a, there's a radio voice, and uh, as the uh, helicopter's landing, somebody uh, says they're clearing for the Bad Wolf. So. Mm. So, um, so what, you know, as a character, um, what did you guys think of him? Um, total butt, total ass, total what? What did you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I've read that he's supposed to be a parody of Bill Gates, which seems to me really unkind. Yeah. Pretty harsh. Um, but, but maybe what was meant by that was, since there are in the world people who have that kind of wealth and there always have been really, um, you know, and, and we know that, that generally speaking, people with that kind of wealth, they don't have to care about anything or anybody else. So this is just one of those guys who doesn't. Um, so it's fun to, to see him, you know, have a dial like a gun pointing at him and, <laughs> and him trying to bargain with a dial. Like, like, Oh, good. Let's see how that works for you. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we think of that wealth, uh, too. I mean, it makes me think of, cause they do mention, you know, uh, Republican or Democrat in, in this episode. And <laughs> that makes me think of people like the Koch brothers, you know, these high mm-hmm. gluten people who are trying to pull the strings in the background. Yeah. And, and as far as him as a character, um, I thought he was the right amount of zany. Uh, it could have been, <laughs> it could have been a little bit too much to where it would have been distracting. But oh, excuse me, but That's I right. think I think it was the right amount to make the episode work. Um, yeah. And, 
you know, um, he, not only he, but there was also um, what's her name, Goddard Diana. Yeah. Yeah, his um, assistant. Yeah, it. She seemed weird as well. So I'm like, you know, why are all the Americans weird in this episode? <laughs> yeah, where yeah, were, where were not, they at? They were uh, Utah. Okay, yeah, Utah, mm-hmm. Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I don't it's, know. it's not lost on on us uh, over here that all the bad guys in the story are are Americans. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, this is another kudos to the writing here. But anytime you write something and the reference seems universal that in, in in a sense of we're you know what um probably from when it's when it was written we're good probably 15 years past you know since this was actually written and we can sit here as americans and looking at our own political society and regardless of which side of the aisle or fence or whatever you may fall, if you're listening, the, you know, you can relate to what, like Clarence said, are we going to put a Democrat in? Are we putting a Republican in? Those things are still relevant. And you still have people who are rich, whether it's Bill Gates who was the original intendee of this or, you know, be it someone else that's rich or whatever that does things for power. That's, you know, you can equate that to today's society. So, Whoever, you know, or however it was written, that was very good writing that it's timeless to some degree. Yeah, a script that was being shot in 2004, and they set it in 2012. Ah, okay. <laughs> that was interesting, yeah. So the person who apparently Van Staten is, is buying the election for is Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious <laughs> of course there's no way they could have known that at that but, but yeah <laughs> so that only that only you know makes sense in retrospect but yeah <laughs> you knew it had to be something <laughs> it had to be something yeah. <laughs> i tell you so when, when when thinking about this episode again trying to pretend like i was coming to it for the first time it made me want to do do a little bit of research and go back in time because um i remember that seeing this episode 12 years ago for the first time I was excited, but also had trepidations because it was called Dalek. And I was thinking, I'm so, I'm so enjoying this reboot of the series and them trying to take these things seriously, trying to take the companion seriously, trying to take the whole idea of the doctor and the TARDIS really seriously. And they've really thought this stuff out. Now we're going to see the Daleks. Oh boy, what are we going to do with that? <laughs> because the Daleks are silly. And, um, so I, I kind of went in braced for it and, you know, I, my, my fears were allayed and I was, you know, I, I just couldn't have been happier with, with this, but it made me try to remember kind of what the progression is. We, we met the Daleks for the first time in 1963 and they've come in and out of the series, you know, and they've been, they're, they're kind of the icon, you know, as much as the TARDIS of the whole series. Um, but there's always been this thing about the fact that they can only move across a smooth floor <laughs> Oh yes, <laughs> and and e- even in the first Dalek story, uh, it turns out that they're they're like bumper cars. They're they run on static electricity. So if you can get a rug between them and the floor, you can stop them that way. <laughs> well, that's I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> if to to take them to try to take them seriously as the uh, you know this uh, killer master race, if you can stop them by you know just breaking the circuit, um. And so that's always been a problem about them. And it was, um, I, ch- I wanted to remember where this was. It's in 1979. It's, uh, Destiny of the Daleks, just actually a, a serial that I really love. But there's a moment where there's a Dalek chasing the doctor and Romana and they go out through a, through a window 
and this fourth doctor, it's Tom Baker. And he, he looks back into the window and he says, if you're supposed to be the superior race of the universe. Why don't you try climbing up after us? Wow. Okay. Wah, wow. Wah. And, and all it does is call attention to the fact that that's kind of a design flaw in the <laughs> things in the first place. But in 1985, I wanted to get the, I want to get the sequence, right. It's revelation of the Daleks. Um, we can see them hover for the first time. So from 1985 on, they can Mose deaf climb stairs and everything else. And in fact, in remembrance of the Daleks, 1988, so that's 30 years ago, uh, they follow, uh, the, uh, seven doctor and ace up a staircase. So on the classic series, they, they did deal with this. They did deal with the fact that they're, they're not bound by the floor and a stair, a stairwell will not stop them. But because that becomes a, a kind of a plot point in uh, in this episode, you know, they're acknowledging the fact that everybody knows this. <laughs> they've known it since 1963 that this is a problem. You know, yeah. that the Daleks are they got wheels on the bottom. You know, they can't. Yeah, they're so. not uh, they're not refined or are confined by gravity. They are defined by special effects. That's right. Yeah, it's it's they can move <laughs> they can move in three dimensions. If the budget will allow it. That, Bingo. Yeah. But and like, well, one of the things I love about this script is that we also used to chuckle at the fact that one of their arms is a plumber's helper. It's pretty obviously a plumber's <laughs> helper. But yeah. in this episode, for the first time, we stop laughing, don't we? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sucker me to death? And the answer is yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've never seen that before. Yeah. I remember seeing, you know, when I originally watched this episode, I remember remember seeing the staircase scene and like that was like my favorite part of the episode at that moment and i hadn't realized they were able to fly before because even watching it again he makes the statement um big alien death machine or something uh defeated by stairs or something mm-hmm. to that effect right. exactly I'm like oh uh this must be a thing but wow you just pretty much answered the question i was going to ask uh is this the first time but yeah why did they make such a big deal out of it if it was not it's kind of yeah, and I think it's because in so many people's minds, I mean, if it wasn't until 1985 that we saw that they can hover, then yeah, you had from 1963 to 1985 for people to get it in their heads that the Daleks are stuck on the ground. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that's still going to be out there in the public mind. So. And, and for that matter, look at, you know, take me as an example. When I watched that in 2005, when it was on, I had not yet seen remembrance of the Daleks or, or the, right. you know, the last one. So, uh, what was it? Des- not destiny. What was the one in 88 to say, uh, revelation, was revelation, Remem- okay. remembrance, remembrance of Daleks. Mm-hmm. So I had not seen either one of them at the time. So for me, it's like, Oh, wow. Cool. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things the new series is bringing us is Daleks that fly. Yeah. Daleks that fly. Yeah. So, um, Another interesting thing that I noticed whenever I was reading up on this for Wikipedia that kind of connects to you and Eileen is in that scene in that hall where they're looking at the Slitheen hand and they're looking at the, um, you know, Cybermen behind their heads. There is a um, decayed head of a sea devil from the mm-hmm. John Pertwee serial, The Sea Devils, which is the first uh, episode of Podshock that you and I were on that we reviewed The Sea Devils. That's right. So that's we met over The Sea Devils, so that was kind of yeah. cool. 
here here we are again. Yeah, I, I had forgotten that connection, but yeah, and I didn't recognize it. It's so disfigured that yeah, I, I've only read on the web people saying, you know, it's a sea devil back there. Somebody <laughs> also says that there's an an alien egg, as in the film Alien, as in Ridley Scott. That somebody says there's that uh, Van Staten's got an, an alien egg as well. Ah, um, interesting, interesting. Which which means that Alien takes place in the Doctor Who universe. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it kind of funny how this episode, um, it kind of repeats that often repeated, I guess, trope of sci-fi where we, we found some aliens at some time in the past and we start harvesting their technology and that's how we have all the things we have today. Um I thought it being brought up in this episode was really cool, um, even though, like I said, it's been done before. But, you know, seeing it in the Doctor Universe, uh, I thought it was, it, was, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Have we ever seen the Doctor? We've seen the Doctor captured. We put him in a cell and all that and good stuff. But have we ever seen the Doctor actually tortured, tortured <laughs> like this? Strung up. Yeah, basically. Not, not, we've certainly seen him. Uh, well, I mean, they one of the cliffhangers in um, the the fourth doctor era um you know it, it, he he's being his head is being held underwater I mean, he's he's basically being waterboarded except the the goal there is not to torture him but to kill him um and that's a, that's one of those things that once you've seen it you, you'll never forget it but um yeah yeah we've we've certainly had people try to extract information from him before um, but not like this this was brutal this was brutal and for you know uh, for my thought was, for what reason other than wanting to let the new audience know that he has two hearts? <laughs> you know. Well, it, it it adds a sort of a character point about Van Staten. I think that it it just reinforces the idea that he doesn't care. Uh, um, but yeah, what uh, I've I've had a MRI and fluoroscopes and things like that. They don't hurt. <laughs> You know? Yeah. So, what kind of thing has Van Staten got that that causes people pain when it? Uh. <laughs> yeah, my impression is that um, if the doc doctor wouldn't have had to use those words, uh, "Let me go or you'll die," uh, he would just keep them there. That was kind of the impression I got of it because they did mention the cage, and you know, I know Lee know that's probably a reference to something else that we've seen in the past. Uh, so, I think. You know, part of his museum, he, you know, he says he doesn't want to see a scratch on the Dalek. I think just part of his museum thing is that he wants the aliens there. And, you know, I think the doctor was going to be part of his exhibit. Yeah. But- yeah oh, yeah. 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 Well, especially once he I mean, you could see Van Staten's eyes light up when he learns that the doctor is the last of his kind. You know, that means he's the only one. Yeah. That's and that's what a collector wants. I want the only one. <laughs> yeah. But see, here's my thing about being a collector. Don't damage your, uh, your valuable. I mean, you know, well, you, I just don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Why would he do something that would hurt the doctor if he's so precious to him? Uh, Correct. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, because, you know, look at it not from our perspective of knowing this is the doctor and knowing that he regenerates. Look at it from the perspective of you just met this alien. Number one, you don't know what's going to happen if you start scanning this being with these ray x-ray thingy. How do you know that he won't explode? Literally. I mean, you you don't know that. So, I mean, it's almost a conceited ignorance for them to do the things that they were doing. Yeah, true. I mean, and they're sawing on the Dalek and trying to get it open or whatever. And when somebody shoots it, he gets mad. Really? No. 
Right. You know, <laughs> and they're pulling, like you said, you know, they're, you, you know, and they're poking it and it's screaming. Uh, and, and from the, from, you know, whenever the Dalek is loose, my first thought was, okay, uh, you kind of deserve what you get. I know that's mean, yeah. but, no, but, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's just like somebody that goes into a lion's den and starts, you know, uh, getting a, uh, whatever and start poking the lion and whatever. And then the stick or whatever breaks and then the lion pounces on you. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Do we believe that the doc, the Dalek was able to recharge simply because Rose was a time traveler and she touched it? I, I kind of felt like it had more to do with the, the bad wolf stuff, but I mean, he does say it's because she's a time traveler. So I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was willing to buy that just because, you know, uh, this is what I always say. If there's any kind of explanation, I'll buy it. Just, I just like the fact gotcha. that, they, that they address that. A- and it is intriguing because it's our first hint that there is energy that, um, uh, that builds up. Or, you know, requires release or whatever as a result of just being in and around the TARDIS. So that is foreshadowing for her. That's. Hmm. Hmm. So when I watched it the first time to answer your question, when I watched it the first time, it was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But watching it this time, my brain instead said and asked the question, we, I didn't normally. The first time I assumed that this Dalek fell out of the time war itself. Mm-hmm. This time I questioned whether the Dalek fell out of the end of the season through time and hence recognized in some way the bad wolf, perhaps. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Don't, hmm. you don't know if that's, you know, for sure, but it was almost yeah. like what Clarence said. It's like there was a recognition a little bit. But not sure about. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Because <laughs> we, we've talked before about whether or not um, uh, a showrunner has got the whole series, the whole season written out. And if so, well, I mean, we knew that he's been teasing Bad Wolf through all these scripts. So if if he knew where he was going with that, he RTD. If he knew where he was going with that, yeah, why why not? Why not have the Dalek respond to it? He had Gwen respond to it. Yeah, yeah, true. Good point. Good point. Or were we at this point, or or should I say, are we at the point where we are now conditioned by 2010 through 2017, Stephen Moffat, to exactly do what you just described, look for all these, you know, tie-ins that may not be there? Yeah, maybe. And, and, and Yeah. And I'm skeptical about a lot of that, too, is that I, I think sometimes they're making stuff up as they go along because I know that's how TV works. But then sometimes sometimes there is a master plan, if you'll pardon the expression master plan. Say something <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not a messy plan. No, a master plan. Oh, so why don't we get into a little bit about what happened toward the end? So we, we, we obviously know that Rose touches the doc, I mean, the doctor touches the Dalek and the Dalek reforms, regenerates, whatever, and escapes to some degree. Yeah. We've, st- you know, talked about him going up the stairs and et cetera and so forth. So Clarence, what was your thought about the, some of the things that the Dalek itself 
was saying? Um, I really didn't think it was that significant. But what I will say, um, I do like how they did the special effects in, in this episode. So that moment when he actually plugs into the, I guess, the power conduit or whatever and, and downloads the Internet. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool how he transformed into a pristine, glorious Dalek once again. And I thought that was pretty cool how they did that. Great special effects. The hovering was great as well. Um, I, I just like the look and feel of what they did with them in this episode overall. Uh, Lee, what about you? Does, does some of the things that the Daleks said or did fall into what you had wanted to talk about? Um, well, in these confrontations with the doctor, certainly, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I should just, um, just go just start. It. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll ask you my, my big question. Okay. We, we're not yet at the point where we have established that the TARDIS takes the doctor where, where she wants him to go. Right. right. That's, although that has that was hinted at in the in classic series but anyway but what why does the tardis materialize inside van staten's museum anyway good question clarence what do you think i mean i just assumed it was because it's the last supposedly at this point <laughs> the last dalek and the last time lord something something was drawing them together yeah and and when I watched it again, I wondered, did I remember this right? Yeah, the doctor says that the TARDIS has taken them there in answer to a distress signal. Hmm. Mm. So so who has sent the cry for help? But it wasn't the Dalek, was it? Or was it? I can't remember. Who, el- who else could it be? They They never answer that question. But that really hit me like a ton of bricks this time. The TARDIS is bringing the doctor there to help the Dalek. Okay, so let me – all right, so I have a theory, but I want to ask you guys a question before I pose my theory. So did did the doctor's encounter with the Dalek in this particular episode have any impact on himself and or specifically Rose? Absolutely. I think there's no way that they can't come away from this encounter. Both of them changed. Mm, okay, Clarence, what do you think? I mean, I totally agree. Um, you know, without just, I guess we're to the point we're going to talk about the last scene, but, um, he hates this thing. He is like, you know, this, this is my mortal uh, enemy. And in that moment, we see where he's given a different view of it, uh, with the help of Rose. So, so yeah, I mean, totally. Okay. So then you, uh, you guys helped validate. What I'm going to pose is a theory as to who or what sent the distress signal. And I will foreshadow a episode in the future, the parting of the ways and will quote, I create myself. Mm. And we saw, we know that bad wolf is part of this episode. Hence the um, reference of the helicopter. So perhaps the bad wolf, is what sent the distress or caused a distress signal that led them there because it was maybe the, the understanding that Rose obtained as part of the experience of this episode prepares for what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's just as provocative as if it's the Dalek whose, whose signal, whose distress signal we're responding to. Yeah. So, so there you go. So what about this scene mm-hmm. at the end where we see the Dalek 
asking the doctor and Rose for their for the orders and is wanting what you know basically to kill itself or to have permission I took it to kill itself. So what did you guys think about that? <laughs> I, I'm waiting for Clarence. Okay, I, have, I have I have too many thoughts. About so well, well, just just to back up a little bit, yeah. and um, uh, we often talk about how um, the doctor sacrifices his people, Califrey. Uh, but yeah. seems like we don't often talk about what happened to the Daleks, and and what the doctor does amounts to, at this point, as much as we know, amounts to like a, a double genocide event and i just think there's something that kind of gets lost in all the mystery of ooh, the doctors had this great event happen where he had to end the war and but if you really look look at what happened it's a very bad 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 thing not only to his race but to a whole nother race so i I just want that to be said i'm pretty sure we talked about it before but well I don't think we have talked about it, or at least I've never thought about it. Because when you said that, I was like, damn, I am like cold blooded in the sense of I never even considered the Daleks as a race that was lost as part. I was like, oh, the Time Lords are gone. But you're yeah. right. They that was two different races that were, quote unquote, of, you know, destroyed, of liberated as part of that. I mean, but I've always looked at it as they were insignificant because they were Daleks. And that's my own arrogance, I guess. And for fans of the classic series, too, you know, we know that one of the iconic moments, really, of the original series is this, is in Genesis of the Daleks, where the Doctor has the opportunity to destroy the Daleks while they are still infants, while they're still the, the prototype version of the mutation. He's going to blow it all up. And he literally gets that moment of touching those two wires together and he can kill all these things that, that aren't Daleks yet, but are going to be. <laughs> and he, and he won't do it. Yeah. Because, that's... because they haven't done anything wrong. And I guess we see something similar again, uh, with, with Capaldi, isn't it? Where he's with, um, with Davros. Yeah. Yes. He, he gets yeah. to play the whole, whole, that whole scenario out again. Hitler. The Hitler scenario. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you brought up that particular story, Clarence, because who else but Davros was in the story that uh, Lee is talking about. Yeah, yeah, that introduced Davros. And he's he's kind of in Dalek. They don't call him by name, but uh, the doctor describes him. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So, And they actually, on one of the view screens, if I remember correctly, from the episode with the 12th Doctor, they actually show a part of that scene of of the fourth doctor in that episode if i remember correctly i think you're right yeah i think that that's the moment that they chose in there yep 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 any other um interesting very good one by the way so any other interesting dalek moments clarence um now just my last piece i guess uh i i love different quotes in this episode some are very simple but dramatic like kill yourself we spoke of earlier but i love what rose says in this moment um she says what about you doctor what the hell are you changing into and that was just a mic drop moment for me yeah like (laughs) and yeah you know i'm i'm sitting here thinking it's amazing going back and seeing these after watching the day of the doctor because it 
changes my perception to some degree of, of the doctor and which I think is very cool, but seeing the thing, you know, seeing and knowing where he had just come from, uh, you know, he was in a very, very much darker place yeah. than yeah. I think we ever realized that he was. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. This episode, um, allows us to take the time war more seriously, I think, than we had before, even than we had before. Yeah. So Lee, what, what other thoughts did you have on this episode? Well, with your indulgence, I'm just going to start reading what I wrote. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> I, I haven't tried reading this aloud. So if it gets too long, I'll say blah, blah, blah. Um, in a way, I think the Daleks are and always have been as silly as the creatures from Raxacoracophalopatorius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their primary appeal is for little kids, which was brilliant. Um, but they don't make a whole lot of sense if you think about them too much. One of the things I love about Genesis the Daleks is that it explains for the first time why they are, why they look like um, a crippled man in a wheelchair who can only use one arm because that's who created them. He made them look like him. <laughs> and I think that's brilliant that that retcon. Yeah. That sort of explanation. But if we're trying to do serious science fiction here, we may always roll our eyes at them and wish that the doctor's nemesis was something more sophisticated, something that was better thought out. It's probably why the master was created as a character to try to give him a, 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 a an arch nemesis that isn't a Dalek. But here in this story, I think we get a Dalek that feels genuinely dangerous to us. And by implication, it makes the whole mutant race feel truly dangerous for the first time. And But it's a script that's going to not only do that, but turn the whole notion of Daleks on its head. When we first meet this murderous thing, this thing that has been engineered to hate and kill everything that is not like itself, it's the victim. Oh, it's man. helpless and it's being tortured. So where do our sympathies go before we even see what it is? And Rose, whose ignorance of Daleks allows her to come to it without prejudice. She feels nothing for it, but pity. She even reaches out in support and she touches it. And unlike the last person who touched it, she does not burst into flames. The Dalek spares her, connects with her. And then as the story progresses, we experience how the doctor, always so cool, always so brave, reacts with fear and loathing at the discovery of this thing that we've now already kind of introduced as being Rose's new friend, the single surviving Dalek. They're two of a kind, the last representatives of their race, but for once he is not interested in that. He just wants this thing dead. And I'm surprised neither of you brought this line up because <laughs> to me, this is the unforgettable moment of the show when he expresses that kind of naked, unthinking, unreasoning hate. We get the most devastating line of dialogue in this series up to this point. The doctor's sworn enemy tells him you would have made a good Dalek. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it burns because it's right. Oh, good. And you know what is interesting? And it makes another episode in the future burn just a little bit more now that we've a seen that and b you just brought that up is rusty and into the dalek you would have made yeah. a good dalek yeah exactly <laughs> well see and, and it gets deeper because now 
that we have basically traded places between the Doctor and Dalek in this script halfway through. Now we've got an impossibility on our hands. And it's the kind of thing I, I remember in Clarence when you were talking about um, the, uh, the ethical question that comes up in Unquiet Dead about whether or not the Gelfs should be allowed to have human bodies to walk around in. That this is the kind of thing that makes well-written science fiction matter. It's the kind of fantasy situation that actually informs our real human lives to to raise questions, however outlandish, but for us to really ask ourselves these questions. And now, in this story, the doctor, who's chosen that name himself, he's the sworn healer, he's the protector, he's the one who's supposed to be our hero and our role model. He's got nothing on his mind except killing. And the Dalek, the murderous mutant inside the killing machine, is the one who's conflicted. And it has several opportunities to kill Rose, but it doesn't, and it can't explain why not. Everything's broken now. Everything's in question. And then, so then there comes a showdown. And to our surprise, it places Rose in the position of protecting the Dalek. She's actually standing in front of the exposed mutant, shielding it from the enormous gun the doctor's carrying. And when she points out that she's not in danger from the Dalek, but from the doctor, the realization, the recognition of the truth of that situation is a shattering emotional blow to him to the extent that he drops his weapon. So now everybody's vulnerable, but the Dalek has already chosen to end the misery of its own life, which it does, leaving everyone in the story, everyone in the audience, I hope, asking, as we always should, if what we do is kill and kill and kill, how are we not Daleks? Ooh. Wow. So that's my essay on this episode. <laughs> if we're going to if we're going to rate it, I'm going to give it out of 5 points. I'm going to give this one a 6. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Very wow. very interesting. Clarence, what about you for ratings? Man, make me go after that. <laughs> <laughs> the mic has already been dropped. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like a 4. <laughs> But that's but, valid too. That's, that's yeah. I, wow. Yeah. I've, I our process of this review has made me rethink a lot of things about the episode. I came in thinking of four, um, but yeah, I think this. I think this. Where? Oh man. Uh, I'm gonna say about a four point five. <laughs> okay. So Clarence, I have before I give my thought, I have a quick, a, a, an interestingly quick question for you. I remember, um, and, and I remember this because I listened to last episode before, um, you know, we're recording today. I actually listened to it again, um, you know, on my way to work some this morning. And I remember you saying from last episode that you were really looking forward to this episode. Because you remembered watching it and, and liking it and thought that it was good. And I'm not saying that you don't think it's good now, but I am curious as to how did the episode for you fall sh- maybe short a little bit of that expectation? Um, I'm not going to say it feels short. Um, and, and maybe just from seeing everything we've seen since this episode kind of made it not as impactful the first time I've seen it. Cause you got to remember. That. Yeah. My, my, my first time ever seeing Dalek for the first time, that was my sixth episode of Dr. Who period. Mm. You know, I mean, of course I watched when I was little, but I don't remember any of that stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that yeah. was like, that was your that introduction was like, to the Dalek. That was your Genesis yeah. of the Dalek. <laughs> yeah. So from that point of view, I just, 
thought this episode was just freaking phenomenal, which it is. But, you know, I think maybe my view has been uh, weighted a little bit by what I've seen since. Um, and, yeah, I, I do think it's a, definitely a, an, an excellent introduction to to who the Daleks are. Um, you know, if, if nobody knows who they are, I think this is the episode they to watch to to kind of learn those those things. Okay, good, good, yeah. good, good thought. So here's here's my thought on this. I would have to give it. I'm I, I can't give it a six. I <laughs> uh, you well, know that, I, that's silly anyway. No 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 no. I can give it an infinity, and you can yeah. give it. We can give it to whatever number we want to if we want to. We don't have to stop at five. But yeah, I, I think you gave Day of the Doctor an infinity. Didn't I think you? I did too. I did. Didn't too. you give World War Three a negative one? I th- no, I just pretty much whatever it was that you said, I tried I think to it was one. Yeah. mirror exactly uh, what you, you said. said one. But um, you know what? I, I think I'm going to give it a 4.95. Um, you know, not quite a five. But um, here, here, here's my thing. I go back to saying it connected me with classic seeing a Dalek. It was the first time that I remembered seeing a Dalek you know, quote unquote live, uh, because I didn't, you know, I'd seen it as a kid, but I knew they were repeats. So this was my first, you know, almost live broadcast of a Dalek story. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, from the story of everything that happened, everything about the story, I think was good. Uh, Von Stratton, I, to me was kind of, a little bit over the top because you were supposed to hate him so bad. And maybe it was the actor, but I was like, okay, yeah, I could do without you. Um, maybe that's where I take off that, you know, small to get to, you know, 95 or 4.95. <laughs> but here's my thing with the Daleks and here's what I wish that they would have done after this. Um, you know, I was reading this afternoon and remembered that. With, you know, the, the Terry Nation family, it was not up to the last minute to where they gave permission for the Dalek to even be used in the story. Uh, they were going to go a different route several times because they, you know, were not releasing the rights at the time. And I remember even reading, you know, back in 2005 about how it waited, you know, they had to wait till the very last minute for it to happen. It, and I think this is where that, rumor or that myth comes from that there has to be a Dalek episode in every series, even though that's not true. But I wish after they had set this up so well that the appearance of the Daleks were few and far between so that when we see them again in a subsequent series, you know, 2005, 2008, 2015 or whatever, yeah. they they keep that impact that they could have had but i think and it and it ties into what you're saying clarence we see them so often that you almost become you know um there's they've lost their shock effect to some degree oh yeah so 4.95 yeah can i can i bring up just a a two more things real quick absolutely Um, uh, I think the part where the bulkhead was coming down and I guess Adam slid through and Rose didn't make it. I feel like that was very contrived. Um, 
I'm like, why is he closing it? There's no, they didn't really give a good reason of why he was uh, closing the door. Uh, it just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But you know, I know it's a television show, whatever. Um, and I love, 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 love the part when the doctor first sees the Dalek and he's like, it's not working. Fantastic. Fantastic. And he's just elated. Um, but it, there was a good point that was made in that scene where, um, I think it was a doctor that said, uh, if you can't kill, what good are you? What good are you? And that just made me think of how a soldier would feel who's been, you know, in the military military or maybe on the field of battle for a long time. I can definitely see them coming back and having, you know, of course, they have post-traumatic stress or whatever. But I, I can see that them having that feeling, you know, the feeling that Doc, the Dalek has where, you know, there is no more war to fight. He's just there and he's the last of his kind. And what are his orders? You know? Yeah. That's a great point. I think. And I, I, I've known, I've known real soldiers who really struggle with that. And it's, um, yeah, but, but, but it is a, it is a gorgeous moment of, of cool for the doctor to be able to say that. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up too, because this time I actually laughed at it, not because it's not a, a tragic and serious moment, but because what he actually says is, what's the point of you? Yeah. Which, which is something that David Tennant's character says on Broadchurch. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, wow, actors who play the doctor say, that, what's the point of you? <laughs> wow. So, That's pretty cruel. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, oh, oh, it's, it's one of the great oh. moments of Broadchurch. Yeah. Alex says that to his, to his partner. What's the point wow. of you, Miller? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's not, if that isn't as low as you can go to say, what is the point of you to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he didn't say that to the grieving mother. <sighs> right. Yeah. yeah. He'll just say it to, yeah, he'll just say it to his partner. I mean, that would just be like, you know, if he were to, to say, you know, if he would have said that to her, that would have been just like saying that to himself. <laughs> I know. All, if, if you pile up enough uh, actors playing the doctor, it, it gets very. It's it's bad enough that he's now married to. His, yeah, that yeah. David Tennant is married to his Georgia Moffat. Yeah. and his yes, and her father's Peter Davison. It's like no, no, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, own, speaking uh, of Broadchurch, you know, he uh, he even. Uh, you know, questioned. It was like one of the people that he was suspecting. It was like it also questioning himself. The original, you might say. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's, it's, we've had David Bradley and David Tennant and Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. And of course, our Arthur Darville is out there too. Sort yeah. Of yeah. 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 Always <laughs> the Rory. The preacher and, man. Um, boy. So any other thoughts about the Dalek before we wrap this episode up? I pulled up a stool alongside this one and just milked it. So I'm, I have, <laughs> I have said all I need to say. <laughs> well, at least you didn't do that. Perhaps more than I needed to say. Well, at least you didn't do that with the, um, Slithing. <laughs> so, so should I go back and write a very introspective piece about the Slovene? Should I do that? Yeah, you should. Yeah, I'd <laughs> no! really like, I'd no. like to read your long, your long essay about World War Three. <laughs> no, save it for Boomtown. Yeah, uh, there, but you know there are some good episodes coming up that we've yet to get to. Oh, I mean, we get to uh, one of the creepiest ones of all of Doctor Who for me. Are you my mummy? 
Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Empty Child and Dr. Dances. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, um, Lee, what else, if anybody is listening and wants to find other things that you might be working on, what might those be? Uh, people should go to um, the website, relativitypodcast.com, and just um, listen to my radio show. Um, because that's all there is of it right now, because I'm, I am frantically writing the scripts for the next season, for the next 10 episodes, <coughs> starring Clarence Brown. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it, it is, I'm having fun because there are going to be more characters in it in this next season. And we're going to, you know, be able to go places we haven't been before. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm writing the scripts right now and, um, uh, yeah, just eager to get back into production of relativity. So there you go. That's what I'm up to. What do you, well, how about you guys? All right. Well, Clarence, what might you be up to? Yes. Uh, we just recently wrapped the season of Star Trek Discovery and uh, if you're into that, first, I'll say if you haven't watched it all, go and sign up for CBS All Access. And uh, I think they have a seven day trial. Binge watch it, you know, uh, if you don't want to pay for the service. And yeah, just check it out. You know, if you're having reservations about the new Star Trek, I promise you, just hold on. Hold on. It's going to be different now. It is going to be different. Just hold on. The payouts are coming. And if you want to hear people talk about that, you can check us out on our podcast, the STD podcast, a Star Trek discovery podcast, which can be found at stdpodcast.com. Cool. Bands. And I will have to say, and I know I've said this on uh, Star Trek discovery podcast um, that we do. It is fun watching you or listening to you in the captain's chair. Oh, man, it is stressful. <laughs> I'm glad to lay back and chill and let you handle things. <laughs> well, I will say this, and, you know, I would say this to the entire recording crew of, uh, you know, if they were here now. It makes me thankful for you and Lee. I'll put it that way, because y you guys just kind of flow. And it's it's I will put I will say that it is much stronger personalities on uh <laughs> on, on that uh particular so so yeah uh you on discovery yeah on discovery <laughs> yeah. so yeah uh you do a very good job at it by the way this is my point you appreciate it man <laughs> well uh you and i can also be found and if we can ever find lee when he is not relativitying um <laughs> can also be found at, again at discussing comics which is discussingcomics.com and also on youtube at youtube.discussingwho.com so gentlemen anything else before we go i may have to get in with you on discussing comics next time around because we are i am personally counting the hours until the opening of black panther so oh yeah. yeah it's going to be awesome it is so absolutely, we'll have to uh, do a review. Yeah, we'll have to schedule something and how, review. How can uh, you not? Absolutely, how can you not? I'm, I'm excited too. So uh, for anyone who is listening, we will be back next week with another episode of Discussing Who and continuing on our 2005 series review. So we will be back next time. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. 
You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.